So if you could take any movie and replace all the actors except for one with Muppets, <laughs> what movie would it be Ooh. and who would you keep as the regular actor? Ooh. I have to go with The Matrix. Keanu Reeves stays. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. Mine was The Dark Knight. And who stays? And I would keep um, probably Alfred because Michael Caine has worked oh, with Muppets before. Okay, yeah. I, I see what you mean. You're, you're trying to be like, oh, well, just like the fun, supportive character that sort of is the You don't have to man. keep the main character. No, yeah. I understand. I understand. Like, I actually mm-hmm. think that um, Gonzo would be a very good Christian Bale Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner, Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, clearly Kermit, you know, the good guy. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, I like this game. Let's see. Bob, what do you got? I'll think of one. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm still working on it because I, 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 I was going to choose the Matrix and keep Keanu Reeves. Um, I mean, that would be good. He clearly is a guy who would work. I would Muppets. do. I would do <laughs> Kermit as Morpheus for sure in the Matrix line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, hmm. <laughs> Kermit offering the pills. That would be hilarious. <laughs> do you want the red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> oh, like your voice there. <laughs> Good one. Um, right, I guess calling? Mrs. Piggy would be uh, Trinity and would fall in love with Keanu <laughs> at the end. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, I would do the Avengers. Okay, okay, great. And I would keep um, the actor does the Hulk. Oh, the, just Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Yes. Okay. Replace everyone else. <laughs> oh my but gosh. He could be a could Muppet he morph when he into, turns a, into the yes. Hulk. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, oh that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Here's the okay. problem, guys. I'm always angry. And he goes, and he turns into like animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. I, I, I think. Well, okay. Yes. I have one. Yes. I have okay. one. You ready? Be, I know he is sort of the main character, but I think that because he's so iconic, you'd have to keep him. But I would do uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and keep, keep uh, Jack Sparrow just because Johnny Depp. He's so iconic. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, he does change the plot quite a bit but he's also just reacting to a lot of the plot too he does good in any situation so if yeah. you're gonna do um if you're gonna do uh i guess will turner yeah i wouldn't do um kermit because he's too authoritarian he'd have to be like okay. wet behind the ears so i guess gotcha. i would do the same kind of thing they did in uh what is it uh, muppet, muppet treasure, treasure island, island? And have uh, is it um the little is it frog? the mouse Oh, the rat. Isn't it the rat rat and Gonzo is like his buddy or whatever? That could be good. So what I would do is, I guess I would do Miss Piggy is uh, Elizabeth Swan. And I guess either the rat or somebody like that is Will Turner. And then Kermit is Barbosa, the bad guy that turns good (laughs) in the second one. Yeah. He shows up. He's like, "Mm, I feel nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Not the sting of the sea or the wind in my face. (laughs) I think that a lot of good uh, Christopher Nolan films would be good Muppet movies. Like uh, Muppet Memento would be really good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was thinking of Fozzie Bear being like the Mr. Gibbs guy. And uh, you throw like beer on him or whatever. And he's like, "Ah, waka waka. (laughs) I can't really do any other voices very good. Anyway, this is a fun game. I'll think on this later. You guys ready to start? Cool. Yeah, let's do it. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And welcome, welcome to, to the House Plants Podcast. Podcast. Yo, we are here to talk about music, music media, and the mission, mission of, of Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Hey. I don't really know how we're working. Am I music every time? I can't remember. I always want to switch that up, and then I'm like, oh yeah, music. We just kind of, it takes shape however it takes shape. Since so. we talk about three and then three, and there's three of us, I think we just do that. 
because it's yeah. like we're it's like welcome to the i'm zach i'm calling on bob welcome to humpcast podcast we're here to talk about music media yeah missions. yeah, and we just yeah this around. being like episode like 73 or 74 you know clearly we'll figure it out maybe by episode like 274 <laughs> here's the here's the thing we just want people to tell us how dumb it is but you won't tell us anything there's no comments either way that's true except yeah. there's plenty of comments about people saying listen i went on here expecting to, to learn about house plants yes that is a comment and i'm One like star rating and i'm like you are learning about houseplants. Let's just be real about it. That's right. Not the kind that you think you are, but yep. definitely houseplants for sure. Sweet man. The way cool. that the Psalms define it. All right. So uh, Zach, little tidbit about today. We're here to both celebrate. Yeah. Mourn and discuss the words and teachings of Robbie Zacharias. That's right. Robbie Zacharias. Who, um, I think all of us have at least encountered at some point, maybe, Mm-hmm. Maybe Bob has read a few of the books. I've read like oh, one yes. book and listened to a bunch of podcasts. I have read none because yeah. I'm not a big reader except for the Bible. I would tell you that when I was in China, mm-hmm. um, there, uh, the town we were in, things shut down at like six o'clock. Okay. Hmm. And I'm kind of a night out. So um, in the winter months, so, so sometimes during the summertime, there would be some nighttime activities. But in the winter times, it was so bitter cold. Everyone just stayed inside. And so at some point, you know, you begin to get, you know, you just need a little something extra going on in your life. So I found myself downloading a lot of his Q&A sessions specifically. Not, oh, yeah. that, not that his messages weren't bad, but I found the Q&A sessions to be so intriguing and so interesting. And yeah. so I had dozens upon dozens of those hour-long sessions, Q&A sessions that I downloaded and just was listening yeah. to back to back to back to back all winter long. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, Ravi Zacharias today. And me and like... I remember I read um, a book of his on suffering. I think it's called the grand weaver Mm. has something to do with like um, God's plans amidst uh, bad things that happen. And I thought it was very good. And I also think that a lot of his stuff I appreciate so much because he um, obviously was a very deep theologian, but he was able to, he, most of his writings were very accessible to just, anyone like absolutely you did not have to be at a high level of like theological study to get into some Robbie sure. I will say that Kimala without God a credible book but it was a little deep at times like you could yeah. read a page or two and then you kind of have to stop yeah. and think about it at times yeah but, but but at the same time I would agree with you fully it accessible deep, it was deep but on a reachable level so yeah. so very your, much so in in Good your stuff. own words Bob would you say uh, incorrectly that it is more of the meat and <laughs> not the milk Based on that <laughs> that uh, phrase we we often misuse, yeah, it is the meat um, served up in a way, yeah, that, that feels very milky. Yeah. <laughs> it's like curry, yeah. lamb curry. Oh, that's yeah. that's nice. All right, so um, before we get into it any further, we should do some worship. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's great. And of course, Zach had to pick another Charles Wesley song because he loves Charles Wesley. He won't do anything else. Well, apparently, apparently, Zach is a writer. Zach isn't the only one who likes Charles Wesley. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm the only one who's heard of him, so. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I've heard of John Wesley, maybe. But that's they it. are related. Are they actually related? Yeah, yeah, they're brothers. They actually were brothers. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't even know about his other brother because I don't know any of these songs. What's the song about again? I'm being, I'm yeah. being sarcastic. Go ahead. <laughs> cool. So this one is called, Oh Thou Who Camest From Above. And um, I guess I'll share a little bit of the story um, I heard verse two, the lyrics quoted from Ravi Zacharias on a message that I heard him give. 
Um, and so when I heard those lyrics, I thought they were very poetic and beautiful. And so I was like, who wrote that? And found out it was Charles Wesley. Um, so yeah, we're going to do this song. It's an older hymn and, uh, I added a chorus to it, so we'll see how it goes. Oh, thou who camest from above. Oh, thou who camest from above. So the reason that Charles Wesley's songs have held up for so many years is because um, he was just uh, a truth teller. Yeah. Like me and Zach try and be, we we just take the scripture and then try and arrange it into song. And he was really, really good at that. So it's always fun yeah. to go to a Charles Wesley song. Yeah. To and, be serious for a minute. Yeah. And to, I guess, to kind of um, tie it back with uh, Ravi Zacharias, um, Charles Wesley's lyrics were very spiritually deep, you know, but right. for, for the time that he lived in, they were also like pretty simple and easy to kind of get into and understand the message. Absolutely. You know, he wrote, he would use tunes that were, you know, sung in bars and stuff. Yeah. And he'd like take these commoner tunes and like write theological stuff to them. The other thing I like, and sorry, I know we need to get to worship, but the other thing I like is that he always makes his, uh, uh, all of his songs very missional, like how, how we should feel and what we should go and like do as a result of how our hearts have been changed. I always liked that very much. Anyway. Oh, who camest from above? Yep.
Gorgeous. Hey, Bob, you want to pray? Sure. Daddies, we enter this time of, uh, of uh, discussion and remembrance. I ask that you be with these, uh, uh, be with our thoughts, be with our words, and, uh, and, and let this time be glorifying to you as well as glorifying to the memory of, of Ravi and what he represented, which of course was spreading your gospel. We thank you for for his life. We thank you for um, the teachings that he is uh, that he has spread and everything he's done for your glory. We thank you how he pointed to, back to you consistently day after day. Um, help us to remember him well and uh, and to remember why we do what we do, which is of course for your glory. Here's his name. We pray. Amen. Doke. How's this going to go, guys? I don't know, boys, but I will say I'm digging the whole let's play during the prayer thing. That, that works for me, so. <laughs> yeah, that's been fun. I'm going to keep doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so buddy. The, the lyric that I, I heard him quote in a message was, There let it for thy glory burn with inextinguishable blaze and trembling to its source return in humble prayer and fervent praise. I mean, that's that's life lived in the spirit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like before we get into what we're going to be doing, which is quotes, maybe uh, either one of you guys can, you know, and myself included, we can sure. just talk about maybe some of the impacts. So, yeah. Well, even before that, let's help bring uh, for those uh, our listeners who may not know who he is. Well, yeah. let's kind of bring them up to speed about about him. Yeah. About, because although I mean he was quite famous in a lot of respects, not everyone was all that familiar with him in, in many yeah, ways. Yeah. So thing is, Ravi Zacharias was a Christian apologist, and kind of what we talked about yeah. um, um, a few a few weeks ago with ap- art. Yes, with art. Yes, where he was talking about the importance of apologetics. Uh, Ravi was probably one of the most um, uh, probably one of the biggest names out there when he it was came very, to apologetics. Very influential, and especially with like lay people. Too. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. And so um, he, he ran um, RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, yes. yeah. um, where I learned about one of my favorite apologists, um, which is John Lennox, who was a mathematician oh. over at Oxford oh, University, wow. yeah. who has debated with, uh, with Dawkins on multiple occasions. Yeah. 
Um, and so uh, Ravi helped me introduce helped introduce me to him, as well as an entire slew of team of apologists that he's been yeah, training up. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but yeah, he goes from campus to campus, city to city, and just trying trying to preach God's word in unique ways. Yeah. He, it's opened him up to a lot of opportunities across the world, um, from preaching in the uh, one of the major Mormon tabernacles to speaking in some very um, heavy Islamic countries and yeah. everywhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a lot of places. He was born in India. Yes. That's he's an important raised, fact. He's partly raised in Canada. I, mm-hmm. I think if I understand. Right. Um, I, I, I think, I think he went to college in Canada. He, he went to college in Canada, yeah. kind of moved there and kind of yeah. began to, that's where he met his wife and, yeah. uh, and tried to make a list and started out make, trying to make yeah. a living there in Canada. Yeah. But you know, I just remember seeing Ravi Zacharias books like all over the place you know, Christian yeah. bookstores and like, you know, people would pass them around at church. And, oh, you got to read this book. It totally changed my whole outlook on what the gospel means and stuff. So, oh yeah, you know, it's like we were kind of talking about before, you know, he, he was definitely an academic, you know, very well researched, mm-hmm. um, highly educated person. Oh yes. You know, with multiple degrees and things. Um, but he, was able to distill things a lot of the time on to a more lay level for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was one of the first apologists I read. Absolutely. Talked about or listened to. So, yeah. So uh, one thing I know about him uh, from doing some research this week is that he was not just an apologetics, but he was more like a, like an overall addresser of like anything like so sure he had spoke at like uh, mormon churches and, yeah. and and other religious things and i know a lot of people were like hey you should have like called mormons out or you should have done this and he's like well i'm just talking about the truth of what i believe and then they will start to like build from that it's not about like calling yeah people it, out. but he, the- he was very big on not putting other people down who yeah. disagreed, yeah. Uh, well, but 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 trying to reach them where they were, and you're not going to reach people if you're just constantly insulting them. Well, one of the quotes we'll get into addresses the idea that truth mm. without grace isn't like a like, like a yeah. it's an incomplete picture of truth. But um, one of the things that he talked about, and I have this up here, but he he had this thing about like can can your religion or your faith uh, can can a worldview that you have answer mm-hmm. these four questions. And the four questions were about the origin, about meaning of life, morality and destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was his whole like pitch was that like, that was one of his big, the Christian yeah. faith can yeah. answer those fervently a hundred percent. Whereas most other religions falter under one of those, if not more. So I thought that was a, so one of the things I think that his, maybe if it's his mainstay of his, um, of his uh, teaching, if you want to call it, uh, I, I would consider him a teacher, but um, oh yes, one of the things that he, he was kind of all about was that like he would, he would speak the truth of the scripture based on his theology, but he would also like be able to address other questions yeah, outside yeah. of, and kind of bring them back life questions. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. It, and, that, and, and he spent a lot of time trying to show that like atheism doesn't, 
really adequately address right those, those four, questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. and and so, um, what you know, we would only be scratching the surface by just talking about some of our favorite quotes that we're going to be talking about today. But yeah. that's just a very that's a that's a yeah. condensed yeah. Uh, starting place for you to check him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, does you, absolutely. You, do you guys have any other important yeah. pertinent stuff that he had talked about that you can think of? It, the, the biggest thing is that although, as you point out, as he was an academic. academic his ability to bring it down to the commoner's yeah. level right. is really was one of the big things that really, really set him apart. There's a lot of philosophers out there. There's a lot of beliefs. There's a lot of mm-hmm. great academics, but few can bring it down to the commoner's level mm-hmm. the way Ravi was well, able to I do. I mean, that's a, that's a, I think maybe that's a criticism. A lot of um, non-Christians might have of, of the, of the Christian belief is that like every answer is answered with just like a scripture. And that like, if you're, you know, it's just like, well, believe, well, just believe, is, just well, believe. Yeah. Not yeah. just that, but maybe like you seem less approachable if all all your responses are from a Bible that somebody doesn't really believe in or anything. Mm-hmm. But Robbie Zachariah would put it maybe a little more. Um, Bring a lot of culture. Like you said, uh, it would be generalized speaking. He may mm-hmm. he may even like go and say like, well, yeah. in this context of this issue. Um, you uh-huh. can look at it like this world, yeah. this regular world thing, yeah. but that doesn't make sense. And sure. then he would slowly bring it back mm-hmm. to like a Bible yeah, scripture. That's good. And so that's hard to do because some, some Christians get very, very theologically uh, driven. Yeah. And then eventually they see the whole world uh, with the Bible verse, which I would say is fine, but sometimes it's harder to reach it, it, people it, it, who don't think yes, that way. Exactly. We don't, it, it, we it, it see the world unapproachable. And, and, and from, from the, out from, right. Yeah. Yeah. From the, from the rest of the world. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Just the only thing I could add is the, you know, he will be missed and absolutely, uh, you know, he's had huge shoes to fill. Yes. And he's had a big impact, but I think a lot of the, um, apologists that you were talking about that mm-hmm. he's kind of trained up and has worked with, I think they're, um, you know, they will go on to do great things. I'm sure. Absolutely. We just have Absolutely. to, we just have to get like a Jordan Peterson or a Ben Shapiro to convert to Christianity, yeah. accept the love of Jesus. And then <laughs> take all that, <laughs> take that intellectual oh, man, power man. and just their, put it. Their thoughts are all pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not advocating them. I'm just saying somebody who yeah. already is like intellectually, like challenges people sure. to just become a Christian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause you know, Ravi Zachariah, I would say would be able to hang with any of those intellectual debater types. Shapiro, oh, yes. I guess is close. Cause at least he's already Jewish. So <laughs> I, he's, I, I'm not advocating for Ben Shapiro, but I have, I have heard him used plenty of uh, scripture and Christian doctrine in, in yeah. his arguments before about, you know, certain subjects that we won't go into this time. But um, I will say this, uh, let's just get right into these quotes. Um, I will tell you guys, I probably know the least about Ravi Zacharias, but partially it's because I'm not like a huge, um, like I'm not a huge, like random book reader, but I do know mm-hmm. plenty about his like debates and things yeah. like that. But, um, who wants to take this first quote and tell us where it's from? Sure. I'll take it. Okay. Um, so first quote we have out of five is, um, I think the reason we sometimes have the false sense that God is so far away is because that is where we have put him. We have kept him at a distance. And then when we are in need and call on him in prayer, we wonder where he is. He is exactly where we left him. It's from the book, Has Christianity Failed You? So what are your guys' thoughts on that, this quote? I'm, I'm a big fan of this quote, but yeah. uh, I, I have a lot of stuff to say. 
uh, especially about this book in the Bible called Haggai. So, but uh, Bob, what do you got? I'll, I'll wait on you. Yeah. To go. No, I I really enjoy this quote just because yeah. it really challenges the um, uh, the vending machine God perspective that so many people often have. You know, I'm going to call them and, and when when I need them, and uh, and I'm going to push the right buttons, and I'm expecting an mm-hmm. answer right away. Yeah. And, and he's going to come and give me exactly what I'm asking for, but then I'm going to walk away and just yeah. ignore him any other time. Yeah, I think I, I remember this being a big point in a lot of the messages that I've heard from him, too. It's just that, like, um, it's not that God is trying to be distant from you. You're not trying to draw near to him. And so, like, how would things change if you did the things that you would do if you were actively trying to seek God in your life. Yeah, sure. You know, that's and not to say that like from a, that's not like a prosperity gospel kind of thing. where like, Oh, everything's just going to be awesome all the time. Um, but you know, you want the influence of God mm-hmm. in your life. You have to be open to it. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. At, at all points of time, you know, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you look at Paul, Paul, you know, some of his most profound moments mm-hmm. with God and through God, happens in the time of adversity, you know? And so, but, at, but no matter whether things are going well or going good, we all, our example through Paul has always been that, you know, he's always seeking to draw near to God, no matter That's what. Right. So um, I love this quote because it kind of puts things in perspective. Like we call on God whenever we need something, but yeah. um, we're not, we're not always saying like, I want God to be like right next to me, like all the time. But then whenever we're in trouble, we're like, I want God to be right next to yeah. me right now. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and so a good an example of this, which we just got done reading in my church, uh, we went through the book of Haggai. So I'll just read you some stuff because the prophet Haggai is, is dealing with people who um, were just uh, brought. They had just come back from Babylon after being like gone and in prison. They were released to come back. And so they have decided to start building up again. And their first task was to rebuild the temple but they kind of get sidetracked. Now what's significant about Haggai is that unlike other minor prophet uh, Mm -hmm. uh, issues where God is upset with his people um, in Haggai, he doesn't bring his wrath down. Instead, he just constantly reminds them what they need to be focused on and what's Mm, important. Yeah. So in Haggai, I'll read from uh, starting in verse two. Uh, This is what the Lord's uh, almighty says. The, uh, these people say the time has not yet come Oh, yeah, this is Haggai 1, 2, sorry. Um, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you, you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Hmm. So then he goes on to talk about how they're they're questioning why there's drought and things like that. And they're yeah. they're saying, like, come yeah. on, God, where's our Where's, where's our blessing? Where's our where's our blessing? Where's our good harvest and things Aren't like that? Aren't we true people? Where's and our so, blessing? And so the first thing that the, the prophet Haggai lists out to them is that he's like he's saying, You're not focused on God and you're not focused on rebuilding his temple. Instead, you are building up your own houses because mm-hmm. you're worried about this, like these trials that may or may not come from each winter and things like that. You've gotten sidetracked. And another reason that they do that is because they're worried about what their neighbors think, mm-hmm. uh, their neighbors who are not of the same 
ideology, not the same belief, and they're like judging them for believing in 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 God. So part of that is that they are just simply like reserved about yeah. their so they're keeping God at a distance, basically. Yeah. And focusing on other things, which is what Ravi Zacharias is is kind of listing out here. He's saying if you keep God at a distance and then you expect him to just be at your beck and call, he's gonna be really, really far away when you need him. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. one thing that's significant about Haggai is that the words of Haggai do not fall on deaf ears. In fact, they actually are like, okay, we need to like get to this. Zerubbabel who is the leader that kind of leads his people back is very, very like adamant about building the temple. They have to be reminded twice, which is, you know, that's fine. But uh, in general, they do hop to it and get back to building the temple. And then God says, okay, because you've done that, because I knew you were going to like, listen to me, I'm going to allow you all to prosper. And so I think it's significant that Ravi Zechariah kind of lists this out as a way of like way we can, apply that to us today we only keep him at a distance and only call on him when we need something and then we expect him to be like right next to us when the time comes and so yeah that is yeah. a good example of and it. It, you know i can imagine like kind of where this comes from for robbie zacharias because as he's dealing with um he's he's dealing with the the whole apologetic issue so right. people that he's talking to a lot mm-hmm. of them and rightfully so their, their question is like, well, I called on God and I didn't feel like he was there for me. You know, yeah. like what's, what's up with that? It's like, well, that's, you know, drawing close to God is something that we have to do also. You know? Yeah. It's not a one way street. He's yeah. not at our beck and call. I mean, he is at our beck and call in a way, but not in the way that not like a soda machine. Right. He's yeah, not a vending yeah. machine that just will bless yeah, you yeah. whenever you ask. Yes. The, it comes from R- R- ring a bell and have Alfred come in, you know, right. come, come, come and help Michael me out when Kane. I need him, which but, but but only when only when I need him and then just get out of my face, which is definitely a thing that gets con, uh, con, like it gets confused with a certain doctrine in mm-hmm. certain modern Christian churches. I don't want to start bashing prosperity gospel, but one of the things that they talk about is like, Oh, we have a covenant. We can just call on God to give right. us uh, yeah. money or whatever. And it's like, I'm not so sure that's how God operates with. And especially, right. especially mm-hmm. not mass way. It's very like, sure. what is your individual relationship with God right now? And how is, are you and yeah. God communicating? And so I think that that is an important thing to think about for every Christian, but especially people who are like, how come I'm doing bad and God didn't help me, but I haven't like prayed or haven't really yeah. like sat right. down with the scripture in like two months. But, uh, you know, I Absolutely. need God now and he's but not But I around. asked him for it and he didn't. Yeah. Right. So that's that's kind of how I read it. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. reading a little more uh, severely, but I think that he in the, probably in the context of what he's talking about, it's probably more of a uh, uh, a thought process. But I can apply sure. that very directly to scripture for sure, which is why I respect his quotes, because they're very scripturally grounded. Mm hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. Next one. That's an awesome quote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I can take number two. Sure. Go okay. for it. That's fine. Okay. So I am absolutely convinced that meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure. And that is why we find ourselves emptied of meaning with our pantries still full. And I love it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Oh, yes. Awesome. From the book, Can Man Live Without God? Have you guys read it? Yeah. I have read this book. Bob okay. It is, it is a hard book to get through at times, but it is a phenomenal yeah, book yeah. that I encourage 
everyone to read. It is it is very informative and not exactly uh, exciting in any way. Uh, it, it it is a deep nonfiction book, so it's I gotcha. it, you're, no, you're I gotcha. not going to find a lot of drama in it, but you are going to find a lot of sure. neat thoughts. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, it is That's so great. good. Yeah. I really, um, I really relate well to the whole um, search for meaning thing. Like that's been a mm-hmm. big, that's been a big thing in my life. I, at certain points in my life, I've thought like, oh, how can I feel like I have more meaning? Right. You know. And so, um, yeah, it's absolutely dead on. That like when you are in a uh, good place and you feel like you're doing well yeah. and your needs are met, it is harder to feel like your life has meaning you would think it would be the other way around. Cause when you're struggling, you're like, Oh, I just need to get past this and then life will be good. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I mean, I think that's his, I yeah. think that his point, his critique maybe of, of, of the modern thinking is that we assume that once we get the things that we need, yeah. that we'll be happy. Yeah. And then we get there and then we find that there's like, we, we kind of feel uh, like there's a hole or something. Yeah, yeah. And well, I it, think, it just, it doesn't last. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fruitless. It's, it's unlasting fruitless pursuit. Yeah. Even even outside of um, scripture, I think you can see evidence for this because Mm -hmm. they they've done studies where they've tried to rate the general happiness of people. Mm -hmm. And people's happiness doesn't actually really change that much when their situation changes. Like people who um, people who have lost limbs and things had like very misfortunate things happen to them. Oftentimes are very happy still, maybe even more happy than they were before. It feels like. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I don't want to say something that seems really controversial, but I will say I have to say it. It almost seems like con- like it almost seems like uh, 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 stumbling blocks, like hurdles in your yeah. life that like define your life mm-hmm. in like a major way, like negatively sometimes build like so much character. And we know that from the scripture yeah. yeah. and they create a more like satisfactory life because of the joy you feel. Uh, of pushing you might, past your, yeah. your you hurdles. might not you might not be happy in the moment because of what is happening, but you can at least find meaning yeah. right in it yeah. if you mm-hmm. have the outlook where you can look for it. Yeah, the, the, it just yeah. It, it challenges our inter- entertainment centric culture. Definitely read that, James. I love it. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, James. so James James one two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so, yeah, I think for sure when it comes to meaning, like it's really hard to look around and find meaning if there's no no struggle going on. You know, and if you're not struggling yourself personally, are you struggling on behalf of somebody else? You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of times things can even be going okay in your own life, but if you're like maybe using that newfound success or right. you know, good luck that you've like stumbled into to like help other people, you yeah. know, that's another way to find meaning, and it's you know, it's rubbing up against um against struggle against trials right you know we've all had so, uh, some pretty yeah. rough stuff happen i, I don't uh-huh. want to share too much or get into it too deeply but all three of us have lost our fathers in a uh mm-hmm. very different ways but very mm-hmm. significant to our life kind of ways mm-hmm. yeah. um i i've dealt with a uh, a muscle disease for the uh, more now in my life than i have lived without it i guess um because i'm 32 years old now but um like you said, it's like you would think uh, we would be bummed out. But I think 
I think, like I said, James says it best. It, 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 you develop perseverance and then you develop this kind of like joy feeling of like mm-hmm. pushing, yeah. pushing past it and it having grown you into yeah. a stronger person. Sure. And, and in the life of a Christian, um, it's a, it's about that suffering. You know, mm. Jesus says in Matthew 16 to deny yourself and take up your cross. That's right. So, you know, we mm-hmm. suffer, but we suffer for a reason. And so that reason of a relationship with God gives us meaning um, in our sufferings. And so, yeah, I think meaninglessness can much more easily come uh, when we don't have any trials or anything we're struggling against. So another thing that Ravi Zacharias mentions in this quote, which I I found significant was um, kind of like what we're, sort of like seeking after, I guess, in our life, like we, like when you think of, um, purpose, I guess is my point. We have this like thing of trying to find our life's purpose, trying to find Mm -hmm. the meaning of what we're doing. And for a lot of people that success, we've talked about that in our, uh, what do you call it? The, um, idols, both idols, but also the uh, personality tests and stuff like what we are, are, are seeking Mm -hmm. for and sure, sure. Uh, what we get pleasure from. And so one of the things in the scripture, uh, in Second Timothy two, let me see if I can't look this up quickly. I don't have my own Bible, so I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and get there. You know what? No, I'm not. I'm just Bob. Will you look up Second Timothy two twenty through twenty two, and I will read the Psalm one really fast. This Psalm one's real quick and easy, but this will come to a point about pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Psalm sixteen eleven says, "You have made known to me the path of life. Mm. You will fill me with joy in your presence." with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So what I want to get across is another thing I think uh, Ravi Zacharias is kind of getting to is that we try and find pleasure in earthly things, but unfortunately those are fleeting. But um, when we're focused on God, those things are not as important. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wouldn't care to read that, Bob. Absolutely. Twenty uh, Second Timothy 2. This is about pursuing th- different things. So Verses ahead. 20 through 22. Yes, in a large house there are utensils not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special right. use and some for ordinary. Yes. All who cleanse themselves of the things I have mentioned will become special utensils, dedicated mm. and useful to the thing uh, to the owner of the house, ready for every good work, shun youthful passions and pure and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord. From a pure heart. Um, here's the here's the significance of that scripture, and that is that he says there's gold and silver things, but there's also things that are of clay. And then he goes yeah. along to you know he continues on to talk about how there is like a significance of. Um, I like how he says flee in my version of the Bible it says flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And what I think is significant about what Ravi Zacharias was saying is that we are going to try and find uh, pleasure and things of this world. And it'll end up feeling very meaningless, but in terms of focusing on God, uh, it won't feel meaningless at all. We we will always have a purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. Bada boom, bada bing, son. Yeah. It's about what are you pursuing? Mm -hmm. That's right. So are you pursuing like comfort and having that full pantry yeah, you know, that's right. So the next quote here we have on our list here is uh, is one that I think personally relates to me a lot. Go ahead. Uh, this 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 uh, this quote says, "Yes, if truth is not ungirded by love, it makes the possessor of that truth obnoxious and the truth repulsive." 
And I think why, yes. And, and so, so I think, I think I, I what I, the reason why I love this Repulsive. so much is because I think I might relate to that. You feel heavily. a little challenged by this? Oh yes, very yeah. much so. Because uh, the, 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 those who know me know that I tend to be a very blunt individual. Um, so there's no doubt that I have delivered truth that has been repulsive to many. Um, and so, and have not always done so in love. And it's something I've always, I've struggled with and it's something I'm always striving towards. And this helps me to remember to go toward that as well. Yeah. You, you have to have both. Absolutely. I don't don't necessarily see it as like a lot of people would say, find a balance between truth and love. Right. But I think that that's not a great image because that, it's like you're holding implies, back the truth that implies you got to hold back one or the other to yeah. like make it even or whatever well, isn't but you need the the full measure of, of both tr- yes you know that's more how god yes. operates yes. Right, the, yeah. the full truth girded in love wrapped yeah. around and loved yeah. yeah um so one of the things and, I, and i'm just going to bring this up because it's a thing and that is that too often today um, in 2020, but for the last couple of years, uh, we have had this mentality that if we know the best mm. knowledge or truth that we can gig somebody with, then we're going to be like on top. It's, it's always about the gotchas. And, and I'm not saying uh, again, the, I'll bring Ben Shapiro up one more time. His, his <laughs> one of his sayings is, uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Right. And yeah. so typically, I mean, that statement in itself is true, but, mm-hmm. um, there is, there is an undertone that we should yeah. keep in our mind. And that is grace being very graceful in the way we speak. Sure. Uh, speaking in love and concern. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and oftentimes to modern day Christians might forget about that because they feel like the truth is the most important thing, which Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. But he also makes every distinction of saying, believe in me, but also love each other there. Yeah. I mean, and so a lot of times we get into church and we have either one or the other, we have yeah. hard factual truth yes. or we have yeah. love with no truth at that, all. That totally like lets mm-hmm. the truth fly around. Yeah. Is it love to uh, get on social media and just prove that you're right? And, no. Uh, <laughs> yes. But it's also with every single person, mm-hmm. but it's also, uh, so that, that has a lot of truth and no love, but the, Adverse would be like, just love everybody, let everybody do whatever they want to do, and don't mess with them, just let everybody be, because that's love. Sure. That's also not love. Because it lacks truth. Because I think that love and truth should be so interconnected that you could interchange one with the other. Absolutely. Like, I go to my child, I said, I needed to, I need to love on my child tonight. And then what I'd say is very, very like truthful things that they need to know. Or I could say, I needed to spit some truth at Mm -hmm. my best friend earlier. And it was like, I just love you so much. This boy is spitting some love. Yeah. 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 So, so what I would hope is that those things would be interchangeable because mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I keep thinking of this, um, fictional father figure God. That's kind of what I, it's, it's my mind's image of like God oh, in a so box, some, you know, bearded guy on a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Just in my, the way I put God, in a, everybody puts God in a box, but like the, I used to, you know, one of the things I sometimes imagine is like a God being like, Colin, mm. you, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. And I'd be like, girl, oh, listen, you dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, my whatever. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, I think, Sometimes fathers have to say no. 
right. to be loving. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think my favorite verse surrounding this comes from First Corinthians 13. After you. Yeah. And where it says uh, it's at the very start there, uh, often known as a love chapter, but what often gets left out is the very first verses of chapter 13. Okay. Where, where Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If That's I have if I had the prophetic powers and understanding all the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and have I, if I have hand hand my body over so that I may boast, but I do not, but I, but I have, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. Mm. So he's like, so Paul's here. It's just saying, you know, it doesn't matter if I speak with truth, truth without love is worthless. Yeah. That's right. Um, what I will just follow that up with, uh, another grace and truth kind of uh, yeah. scripture from, from John. Absolutely. One. Now, of course, in the beginning of John, he is going to describe kind of the impact of what Jesus is and what he is coming to do in a lot of ways. That's kind of what he, he, he starts with God in the beginning, uh, was the word and the word was God. But yeah. then he moves, he goes on to say in, in verse 14 through 18, he says, the word became flesh, just like the song word became flesh. And, yeah. Um, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Yeah. John testifies concerning him, cries out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the father's side has made him known. So in all of that, they clump grace and truth together as one thing. Absolutely. And so when you think about what, what Jesus is and, and, and the fact that he came down both in love and in truth and in grace, um, you can't dismiss either one as and just pick whichever one you want. It, it comes together. So when we Absolutely. say when we say to a non-Christian, oh well, there had to be uh, you know, Thomas Aquinas uh, would say that, you know, there had to be an unmoved mover to mm-hmm. start the first finite yeah. process of time. Can you do that with your thermodynamics? I think not. They they'd be like, <laughs> huh, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. If you but if you're like, dude, I'm just I love you so much that I just think that you need to you need to understand where I'm coming from yeah. because this has changed my life fundamentally and I want that joy for you so much. Right. Yeah. Let me explain why I believe what I believe and how it has changed my spirit. That is a different take on truth. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. But, but not only that, but it also removes it from the subject matter and puts it into the relationship. Right. Which we've talked about in detail plenty oh, yeah. of times. Um, Zach and I had an episode. I don't know. I don't think Bob was part of this episode. This is really, really early days. Mm-hmm. But we had an episode about how the way that we do Christianity is almost as or equally important as what we do. Oh yes, and so do you oh, remember yes. the 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 guys who vandalized the Muslim mosque? Yes. And the, what does it look like? What are we saying to the world when we mm-hmm. spray paint we crosses on yeah. a Muslim mosque and say, you know, yeah, a six six six? These people or whatever. Um, that that may or may not 
reflect like, truth, but it right. most certainly does not reflect love. That is not that is exactly right. And so the the fact that we did not do things gracefully in that situation, we I'm talking we as in the Christian community. I don't know who those guys were. They may not have been in the Christian community, but the fact that we did we did the process of it wrong already yeah. means that it's a hundred percent wrong. Right. <laughs> there is yeah. no truth then. <laughs> like if, if I slap you in the face and tell you like, read this Bible and I smack you in the head with the Feel Bible, the power of Bible, God. Bible thumping, <laughs> literal yeah. Bible thumping. Yeah. <laughs> that is not the right way, uh, you know, and therefore it is not truth and grace combined into one thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. I, I got to yep. say it. I'm, cool. I'm on board with Ravi Zacharias now. Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fence. No, I was I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right. Next cool. quote. What are we doing? All right. So this quote is one that we used in a social media post because um, I wanted something about worship. So I knew he talked about worship some, but one that he said was uh, worship is a posture of life that takes as its primary purpose the understanding of what it really means to love and revere God. And so it reminds me a lot of um, just the idea that worship is our reverence and awe, like our um, adoration and reflection on Receive our adoration. (laughs) Adoring and loving God for um, who he is. So um, the Westminster Confession, which is an old um, catechism teaching um, from the church back in the 1600s, says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So it's kind of like a definition of worship that I work with sometimes. It's um, that we give glory to God because our purpose is to adore him and to enjoy him forever. Like God wants us to be with him and delight in him, you know, in his kingdom. And so I think, you know, Ravi's quote, I think, really captures the spirit of that. I really enjoy this. I love this quote so much just because it helps to um to bring the commoner out of this mindset worship is not a moment in the week or moments yeah. in the week but you know where he says worship is a posture of life yeah. you know it's it, it, this is not a you know this is something that you you you're either living out or you're not really experiencing at all mm-hmm. right. and, and so it, I, I just I find that to be quite uh, quite profound I, I I enjoy that thought so um one of the things too, that I kind of looked up just for fun was this like actual, like literal definition of the word worship. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. um, if you think about like blank worshipers of any kind, you know, Jesus worshipers, Satan worshipers, whatever, like yeah. what, what is the connotation there? And sure. So I looked at the actual definition and what I found was, um, Worshiping literally defined in its basis form without any biblical like tag on is just literally the act of like bowing or kneeling in reverence to something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what I think is fun is th- extrapolating that to, to uh, what we do in church. So, uh, for example, people have made the argument to me that announcements are worship or this is worship. That's worship. Everything in the whole thing is worship. And my responses is your heart worshiping yeah. in that moment and if so then i suppose it's worship the yeah. the, the the point comes with the true reverence yeah, yeah. or adoration that you have as zach put it earlier yeah i think by that definition colin i think those things can be worship 
right. if their primary purpose is adoring and reflecting God. Right. You right, know? right. 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 So, so, right. You know, that's like, that's a common like yeah. argument. Some yeah. churches have like, is this worship or is it not yeah. worship by that definition? Also music, which is something we're very, um, uh, we're very into and yes. we love very much. Yes. Even the worship music could be not worship. If you know, for you, your heart is not in the right place, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like, Absolutely. so going back to his quote, yeah. you know, worship is a posture of life. Yeah. That takes as its primary purpose, the understanding of what it really means mm-hmm. to love and revere God. But I like the idea that he uses the word posture, not physical posture, but just like almost like a place yeah. of thinking, uh, I guess about life. And so if you have adoration and reverence in every aspect of your life, then you are truly a, a worshiper of God. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess in everything that we do, deed or thought or speech or whatever, if we are yeah. giving reverence to God in that moment, then we are worshiping God. And so that's a cool idea. I, I think yeah. there are billions of scripture to back that up. I couldn't, I could go into a million of them, but um, essentially maybe that is a backup, a sort of a, a, uh, support of something me and Zach have talked about in the past, which is like the difference between like a worship song and like a, just like yeah, a Christian yeah. song is what is the, what is the song accomplishing? Yeah. Like what are our actions accomplishing? Yeah. More or less. It's worship is for God, you know, it's about God and it's for God. And so yes. like when it's Jonathan, not your birthday, yeah, when it's Jonathan not your Powers, birthday party. Yeah. When Jonathan Powers is on, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. He says, like, would you go to a birthday party for Colin and say, like, nah, I didn't really like that birthday party. I can't celebrate Colin's birthday because they played Happy Birthday on a guitar. Yes. And I can't celebrate. And, 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 and they didn't have my favorite f- uh, flavor of ice cream. They didn't have marzipan. My- yuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just ruined the whole celebration of Colin's birthday for me. <laughs> so what is, uh, Zach, what is this um, quote here I asked you about earlier? The... Uh, yeah, Westminster that's Confession. yeah. I just brought that up. Oh, uh, oh but, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's from the Westminster Confession. Yeah, and it okay. says man's. Uh, so a catech- you, did, you yeah, did say this. Sorry. A catechism is like a teaching in the church that starts with like a question and then has an answer. Okay. And so back in the day, Christians that were converting would um, learn these questions and answers and yeah. memorize them so they could repeat them. So it says like, "What is the chief end of man, or mankind?" If you want to update it a little bit, but what is the chief end of man? the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so that would be like a little quick thing that people would like memorize. Oh yeah. Right. right, So it's like a teaching. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like an echo, like an echo. Is that what you're saying? Like Like, in church, you echo it? Like a dolphin called the Genesis. (laughs) Echo the dolphin. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You break those rocks under the water. All right. So, all right, cool. Cool. So moving on to our last quote, which is yeah. a doozy, a long one, Bob. It, it, you've it, added to it. It, it. Well, no, no, I, I just broke it up. I didn't Bob, add to it. I just get, bro- get you got this one. Yes. So, 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 so this is After uh, you, buddy. Th- this is my personal favorite. This is from Cam Man okay, Without great. God. I've also heard him repeat it multiple times in in the Q and A sessions that I've listened to and things of that nature. And so I'm just I'm just going to read it straight out. It, it, this is story time with Robbie Zacharias. Let's hear it. So he says, I remember lecturing at Ohio State University, one of the largest universities in the country. I was minutes away from beginning my lecture, and my host was driving me past a few a, a new building called the Wex, the Wexner Center for the Performing Arts. He said, this is America's f- first postmodern building. I was startled for a moment and said, 
what is a postmodern building? He said, well, the architect said that he, that, that he designed this building with no design in mind. When the architect was asked why, he said, if life itself is precarious, why should our buildings have any design in any meetings? So he has pillars that have no purpose. He has stairways that go nowhere. He has a, he has a senseless building built and somebody was, has, has paid for it. I said, so his argument was that if life has no purpose and design, why should the buildings have any design? He said, that is correct. I said, did he do the same with the foundation? All of a sudden, there was silence. You see, you and I can fool with the infrastructure as much as we like, but we dare not fool with the foundation because it will, because it will call our bluff in a hurry. Mm, so good. It, 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 I, I thoroughly enjoy this just because, uh, once again, this is one of the ways that Ravi really takes an idea like, how do you talk about postmodern and bring it to life in a way that which we can understand and relate to yeah. and with a story nonetheless, you know, with stories are so much easier to remember than just random facts and statements. Yeah. And, 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 and so just talking about this idea of relativism and the lack of meaning in life and realize yeah. that, you know, you can say all you want, but if you, but when you dig down to the foundation, there will always be something there. That's a really good image for postmodernism because really what, <laughs> what it would, what it says is um, truth is relative. Like I can't understand your truth. You can't understand my truth, mm -hmm. but um, somewhere out there, it's your hazy. truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's your a very truth. Yeah. Yeah. My, my truth. truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, no, <laughs> that, that quote I don't like. Oh, this yeah. is my. I'm living my truth. Right. Literally, that's from the postmodern yeah, viewpoint. Yeah, hate it. You know, it's everything's relative. Um, there's really no definite answers. Yes. No and meaning. Yet, yeah, and yet at the same time, you can't have a building without some kind foundation. of foundation. That's yes. very true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's, what's cool is, um, uh, how can I say this without seeming disrespectful? What's cool is that we oftentimes try to wrap our man's understanding into an intellectual argument yeah. as to disprove like some kind of intellectual intel, intelligent design, yeah. I guess is like the, the problem. They're like, no, 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 no. We were just a bunch of random stuff that just came together and formed mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And because of that, everything is random and there's no truth. Any of it. It's just like, I don't know because the, there's some, yeah, there's some right, big right. holes in that argument, but, uh, that's kind of his point is like, there's always a foundation for everything. And I think, uh, there's first a, a godly foundation when the earth was created. There's a foundation of Jesus and all of our beliefs. I mean, everything has to have a, like a foundation. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. And the more that we try and deny that we have any foundation is when chaos and anarchy. Yeah. I mean, in the world. like you can you can think about that building further. Like there has to be some truth involved somewhere like the right. building had to be built to code i bet I and mean, it's on a college sure. campus it has to be safe yeah so mm -hmm. i'm sure they load had bearing cement. i'm sure there was load bearing cement i'm sure that inspectors came in and made sure <laughs> that the electricity was like working properly right and, yeah. see, see and, yeah. and another yeah. thing that ravi yeah. zacharias i know touches on quite a bit is like the goodness like goodness mm. like where do we get this idea of goodness that's a foundational argument you could make you could say okay, well, you're just saying that there's good and evil and that uh, yeah. that just exists and mm -hmm. it's, it's all random. And it's like, but you know what goodness is? Right. That, that's another quote we talked about before. Um, didn't well, make it in yeah, the final cut. but th There's a, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis has 
like a section where he talks about like, imagine that you're on a train and somebody just like pushes you over and it's like, well, who am I to say that that was wrong if right. there's no standard of goodness? Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so um, there is a there is a good scripture that talks about like kind of God's design and how He always has like had a purpose. Mm-hmm. In Romans, First Romans, um, uh, nineteen and twenty, I was going to yeah. read. Yeah, Romans one nineteen. And 20. Romans one nineteen twenty. Thank you. Yeah. I said first Romans. And I never read second Romans, but I'm I, looking forward to it. I, uh, I often do that. I mix, I, I whatever dyslexic the number in the, the book. So here we go. That's nice. First, starting verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. So in, in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, underst- being understood mm. from what has been made so that men are without excuse. And so wh- one of the points I wanted to make, and I know this isn't exactly what you're touching on with the uh, in- intelligent design, but I think that even at your basic person who would say, this is all random, this is all chaos, like yeah. we are doing bad stuff, we are doing good stuff, there's no law, we have made the law, God doesn't need to be existent or anything. I would say that is unequivocally untrue. Like I would say that uh, God places within us the knowledge of goodness. He has placed in in, in nature food and and beauty Mm -hmm. and and prosperity. And these things that we've just come to know as secondhand things in our world um, that may or may not have been, you know, non-existent. So I would argue that uh, to back up Robbie's Zacharias uh, argument is that, there is always a foundation that we draw from when making a new conclusion about the chaos of the world. And that building is a great example because it's like, yeah, you can make this crazy building on a firm foundation. Can't you? Yeah. You can make stairs that go to nowhere that are built on the ground that yeah, is firm exactly. yeah. next to the entrance where you have a purpose for this building. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and uh, just as a side note, which I think is funny, I, I have never been able to wrap my mind around abstract art, but part uh-huh. of it, part of it is that I'm a very, like what you see is what you get practical minded person. So I can't do this whole, like, like the teacher would say something like show weight, Colin. Mm-hmm. It's like all you're so, talking about in an art class. Yeah. In art class. Yeah. And I'd be like, um, Okay. And then I'll make like a net and put like a big metal ball in it. And it's like, look how much it's uh, dragging that net down. It's, it's a heavy ball. And he's like, no, not weight, weight, like weight, like the weight of it. And I'm like, yeah, I would just, um, I would, I would put the canvas on the floor and then I would um, step in some paint and then step on the canvas Oh, so that like the yeah. imprint is really, really dark. So it literally shows my weight. Like, can yeah. you tell how much I weigh by this? Right. Yeah. We'll see. Like, <laughs> I, 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 was thinking, I was thinking something similar, but with my stomach. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like there, there is paintings out there that are just chaos. And they're like, wow, this is uh solipsism. This is yeah. this. This is postmodern expressionism. This is that and that. And it's just a chaotic chasm of color. Ooh, yeah. What an alliteration I just made. Chaos and chasm of chasm of color. And so I would say that a lot of times my mind doesn't wrap around that because I and I'm not saying that being uh, being understanding abstract art is weird or anything but i have just always been like there is really just like one interpretation of this there is mm. one truth there's one this there's one that i've never been able to like make my mind go out and i think part of that is that ever since i really d- dug deep into the scripture i've kind of yeah. been like nope there's just one thing that i 
need to understand. Fair oh, point. You yeah. need to you, you need to show tension. I'll, I'll talk about tension. Let's talk about like a bunch of Jews uh, persecuting oh my somebody. Gosh. <laughs> that's that's a lot of tension. <laughs> oh my. And then they're like, no, 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 not like literal. You know, like make it abstract, like a few shapes that are bigger than the Just other. Just don't shapes. wear a marmot jacket yeah. while you're talking. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So anyway, yeah. a long story short, I think that uh, he makes a, a fantastic point about how even in the a mindset of just assuming everything in the world is random. It's, it's impossible to, there's always going to be a foundation. Yeah. And it seems like you, it seems like you can almost make the case to somebody who's an extreme postmodernist relativist person. You could say, even you have some kind of internal sense of, you know, good or evil, or even if you wouldn't say good or evil, you, you have values and purpose yeah, and values. purpose as well. You, you, you have to feel like you have some kind of purpose. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. we might argue, um, over like where we believe that comes from, you know? Right. We've talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think that, you know, you're gonna, if you think about it, you'd realize you have some, you'd have some foundation that you lay your worldview on. That's exactly Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, we all start from somewhere. We don't just mm-hmm. wake up one day and assume the world is random or anything. Yeah, I and mean, if you don't, you can't have a consistent worldview at all. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I bet you there's some artists that are like, I'm trying to get into a headspace where I just think that tomorrow my mind could uh, turn into jelly and that my hands could turn into spaghetti. Everything's random. <laughs> you know, not, nothing has purpose. Everything's abstract. Right, right. All right. Cool. Well, Ravi Zacharias, you are... Uh, uh, a theologian, you are an apologetics guy, master, and and you will be sorely missed. You are absolutely a, a believer, a strong believer, um, and we thank you so much for your contribution. And uh, we, I, I would just say out loud as a, a out loud spoken prayer that uh, I pray that God uh, receives you into His kingdom. So I would say to Ravi Zacharias, yeah. if he was standing here, cool. Well, yeah, definitely glad that we could uh, get together and talk about some of our favorite quotes from uh, a guy who did so much for Christian apologetics and just kind of like defending the faith. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been awesome. Absolutely. All right, guys. Cool. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. And, uh, and we look forward to talking with y'all next time. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon and, uh, and check out those uh, new music Tuesdays coming out there. Yes. All right. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, guys. Peace.